we see that 50% of people have turned down a job offer simply because of how they were treated during the interview. So you have these massive amounts of people that have you know, been giving out job offers. They've gone through an entire recruitment process and they get to the interview and they, for some reason, feel like that was not a really nice way of being treated. Say, I don't want to work for this company because the interview is sort of the face of the company. It's almost like a mirror. It doesn't have to be, but that's how candidates see it. So if you go through an interview that's very sort of unpersonal, fast, or maybe not very job related, people are going to see that and see that's the organization that I'm going to work for. And I don't want to work for that type of organization. Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Alex Tidgold. Alex is a licensed psychologist, chief product officer, and founder at Asker Technologies. Asker is an AI-driven platform that turns anyone into a job interviewing professional. Alex has over eight years of experience working within this industry and has previously also worked with development of assessment tools and as a consultant. Alex's interest in work psychology was sparked during the very first semester of the psychology program at university. And today, he is a research enthusiast who loves to dive into the latest findings of recruitment and HR to better understand how we can make people and organizations thrive. So welcome to How We Hire Alex. Thank you so much, Anea. Great to be here. So excited. Super fun. So I think we should dive into the start or birth of Asker right away. So you're one of the founders of this platform that supports talent acquisitions, specialists, and hiring managers to uh, conduct great interviews. Can you tell me a little bit about like how did you and your co-founder like start this? Where did it come from? You and I have also been working with this, trying to improve the way that companies do the recruitment processes, going in and looking at how they do it, sort of what happens when and how do you communicate with the candidates and all of that. And I think there's a lot of organizations out there doing a fantastic job of really looking into how we could improve the you know, candidate flow, what tools to use, when and how and so on. I was doing this for a lot of years and it was so interesting because you could have these amazing companies that had you know, awesome recruitment policies, they were using the latest tech, they were using all of these cool stuff, you know, using assessment tools, of course. But then when you came to the interview, it was like we were back in the 1940s or something. I was listening to, you know, because I was, you know, following along and, and sort of going through the entire recruitment process. And you get to the point where the hiring manager takes over and, and conducts the interview. And you listen to the type of questions and sort of the, the flow of the interview and you go, what? So you've been spending all of this time and money on creating a really good sort of modern evidence-based recruitment process, but it sort of fails at the end because you have a hiring manager that really doesn't have the tools, the knowledge, or the skills to be able to conduct an interview. And that sparks an idea and sort of a, a thought process of like, we need to improve this. There needs to be a better way of doing it. And I mean, if it's done right, it's a really good uh, selection method. But why are so many people doing it incorrectly? So that's what we wanted to sort of work on and see can we find can we build a platform that's only focused on one thing making it super easy to conduct really awesome great interviews both that actually predict performance but also great for the candidate and make it more objective and fair 
So that was what sparked it. Like it felt like everything was digitalized except the interview. And we were like, we need to solve this one. I've seen the same, same thing where as soon as you're promoted as manager, you're expected to be an expert in hiring, which is a profession in itself. And it's super ironic that it's just expected that you know how to do that. Yeah, it's insane. One interesting aspect in my mind is like, how do people react to this? Do most hiring managers feel the need for this or are they offended? <laughs> One of the first steps that we did when creating Oscar was that we wanted to go out and interview people in the field. So we wanted to talk to, of course, to recruiters and people working in HR. So we got their perspective to see what do you see as a problem with the interview? But we also wanted, of course, to talk to the hiring managers. And it's so interesting to see the discrepancy, what they saw as a problem with the interview. If we talk to the HR people and talking to recruiters, they were talking about how hard it is to you know, be unbiased in the interview, to evaluate candidates on good criteria and also to get good questions. That was sort of what they were having problems with. But if you ask the higher managers, it was like, how can I make it more efficient? Which questions should I ask? And also about making it more of a conversation rather than like an evaluation part. And it was so interesting because they had no problems with like uh, subjectivity or bias. They were like, yeah, no, I don't think about that too much when it comes to the interview. So we realized like we really have two different user groups here that we need to sort of tackle. And I would say there's a big difference depending on the type of organization you, you talk to. A lot of hiring managers have been really positive and be like, oh, this is exactly what I need. I need help becoming better, like being humble and for the fact that like you were saying that I'm not an expert, but I still have this responsibility. So I want to improve. And they felt like the tool that we provide really can help them get much better questions like that they wouldn't be able to come up with themselves. And also having some kind of structure to rely on to sort of lean back on and go, I'm glad I have this because otherwise I would probably be talking about other things that aren't super necessary. But some absolutely are like, I don't need this. I'm great at interviewing. And then you listen to what is your favorite question? It's like, I love to ask what they do in their spare time. And I go, okay. So it sounds like the hiring manager, it's more, I guess, practical uh, what they need. As you said, like they want someone to hold their hand with questions, with structure, but they don't think about like the bigger problem that comes from not having the right questions. And that's where HR comes in. And I guess now just me thinking out loud, maybe that's where like it can be hard to implement hiring support, whatever it is, because we speak different languages where the HR and talent acquisition perspective is perhaps more forward leaning, strategic. And for the hiring manager, it's just like, I just needed to solve my Tuesday, that's full with interviews. I need to get this done. I need to do this well. It's sort of like here and now, whereas HR tends to be, you know, more, how can we improve the process? And of course, it's two different perspectives, like a year forward on my Tuesday. Same problem, same solution to solve it, but very different ways of tackling the same problem. Yeah, for sure. And like maybe defining the problem. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, interviews will be the focus of, of today's conversation. And I think... Let's just like take a step back. Why are interviews so important to get right? You can look at it from many different perspectives. If, if you just think it from a, from a sort of like return of investment type of perspective, we see that 50% of people have turned down a job offer simply because of how they were treated during the interview. So you have these massive amounts of people that have you know, been giving out job offers. They've gone through an entire recruitment process and they get to the interview and they 
for some reason, feel like that was not a really nice way of being treated. Say, I don't want to work for this company because the interview is sort of the face of the company. It's almost like a mirror. It doesn't have to be, but that's how candidates see it. So if you go through an interview that's very sort of unpersonal, fast, or maybe not very job-related, people are going to see that and see that's the organization that I'm going to work for. And I want to work for that type of organization. We should not really underestimate the impact of candidate experience and just how important this for a candidate's decision. There was like a LinkedIn study, I think it's from 2021, and it said that 77% of candidates feel like the interview is the most important decision when sort of deciding whether to go with a, with a company or not. So like it makes up a big part, a big chunk of how they sort of see the company. And therefore, we need to focus quite a bit on making sure we do a good job of taking care of the candidates during the interview. And the other part is, of course, that if you do it well, if you do ask like very highly job-related questions, it has quite a good predictive validity and can actually be a very good instrument to make sure that we assess candidates in a good way to make sure that they are able to be high-performing in the future role that they're applying for. So I think there's two big reasons to actually focus on making sure the interviews is a big part of your recruitment process. It's because the candidate based their decision on it and when done right, the organization should make their decision based on the like results of the interview. Yeah, I think that's what it points down to. Yeah, because there is quite a variance in quality, right? If you look at the studies, it's just like, there's some people that are so bad at the interview that they're worse than chance. Like a dice would be better at predicting job performance. That They're systematically so bad that they ask questions that don't correlate anything with your performance. And that if they just went out and they have six people in the waiting room and they roll the dice and go, number six, congratulations, you got a job. That would be a better method of assessing candidates than if they put them in the spot and interview them. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, but time-saving, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been saying a lot, like, just do that. Why don't you just do that? Because that's going to save you so much time. It's like, Okay, so what is it? This worst example, I mean, we all do mess up in interviews sometimes. What would you say are like the common pitfalls? Why is it hard to get it right? One thing that people neglect a lot, you and I as psychologists know this very well, is that the introduction is so important. Setting the agenda and sort of the, the waypoint for the conversation, like this is what we're going to go through. We're going to go through it in these steps. We're going to spend this much time on these things. I'm going to ask these type of questions. Like setting the agenda and really communicating that, I mean, hopefully even before the interview, but also during the interview when you start, like setting that up because the expectation and sort of the psychological contract that you sign with the candidate is so important. You're saying like, do you agree that this is a good interview and this is what we're going to do? Do you want to add anything? So inviting the candidate to be part of the interview as well. If you just do that, I'm, I'm promise you're going to improve your like interview MPSs with like 20 points. And it's such an easy thing to do. But most people don't. They go like straight into the interview with completely unstructured. I remember like back in the days, you would get pointers on like warm up the candidate, do a little chit chat, which comes, you know, natural to some people, super weird for others. I think this one is an easier pointer to kind of take and use because it's it doesn't require you to be some chit-chatter or super socially skilled. It's just like stating, this is the amount of time we have. We're going to go through these agenda points. These are my expectations of you. This is what you know my role will be. And as you said, like questions or anything you want to add to that, I think that's brilliant. And how 
I would argue that you would start any meeting, not just interviews. You would do it normally, but sometimes I feel like people see the interview as like an entirely different thing and like treat it very awkwardly for some reason. Take care of the person you're meeting, like it's another human being. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So one pitfall is the introduction, which you can help by setting some sort of structure of what is going to happen, setting the agenda and so forth. And as you say, like creating that psychological contract of what is it that we can expect from each other. Other pitfalls. What happens next? What do people mess up? I still use a checklist. Even to this day, like in our platform, we have like a checklist that you can sort of tick off to make sure that you sort of go through the steps because it's so easy to sort of move on to the interview and go like, oh no, I forgot to mention that they need to have a concrete um, sort of you know, specific uh, situation that they're going to base their answer on. It's like, oh, and it's like, Two minutes into the answer, I go like, ah, oh, yeah. So I still use a checklist, even though I've done it like a thousand times. Don't be ashamed of checklists. It's, I mean, the pilots still use it when they're flying planes, even though they've done it a thousand times. Why shouldn't we in our profession? The second pitfall is, is of course, and it's the one that was, because we did a short survey when asked, what, what can this feel like? What really brings down the overall candidate experience? That it's such a simple thing. Don't ask non-job related questions. People go to an interview to show to you that they are a great fit for this role. They applied for a role at their company and they want to show it to you. They want to be able to show like, yeah, I can do this. I've seen the situations in the past. I have the skills necessary. That's what they do. And then you start asking about what their partner does in the spare time or what they do. That can become really uncomfortable for them. And they, so like, it was insane because we were surprised by the amount of people. Like, if I go to an interview, I want to have job-related questions. I mean, you were asking about how, you were talking about sort of how we can warm up the candidates don't do it with asking a non-job related question like warm up with an introduction and maybe ask something about that is still job related but still like a warm-up what made you interested in becoming a well licensed psychologist or anything that at least ties to the job i mean it's basic hygiene but to some extent really needs to be highlighted because i think the social situation that an interview is it is weird it's like when you go to therapy the first time it's like i'm gonna talk about myself for 45 minutes it's super awkward but you get used to it and i think there is this like social script that you can use during interview but that you need to practice and i think that adds to like setting the agenda setting the expectations and then sticking to the purpose of the meeting, which is to assess the candidates to give them information about the job so i think that makes a lot of sense you can see so many similarities between psychological conversation, like psychological therapy and interviewing. There are so many things that are very similar about sort of you're trying to ask questions to understand the person, either from understanding where they're coming from, but also understanding what they've done. And sort of it's so interesting as a psychologist to look at the interview more of as a, as a therapy session almost, but of course with a very different end goal. I want to dive into this because I think that this is a really relevant topic. Say I'm a I've just been promoted to be manager. I'm doing my first hiring process. And now Alex from Asker has told me that I need to think of it as a psychologist (laughs) therapy session. I'm freaking out. (laughs) So what are these super easy techniques that I can steal from you so that I won't suck at my interview? Setting the agenda really helps. Like, Because it also sort of brings down anxiety level. We have to remember 97% of people that go to an interview are, are anxious before it. And are even more anxious to go into an interview than going on a first date with someone, which is insane numbers when you think about it. We need to almost assume that the candidate is somewhat nervous. And our job as a person is to sort of make sure that we make them feel comfortable. And we can do that in a number of different ways. Of course, providing the information. And it's also, of course, on a case by case. But 
I always try to tell if you feel nervous, like please tell me. And I, I, I'm more than happy to help you with sort of you know stating the obvious, like stating what maybe you're observing in the room. There's nothing. There's no harm in that. Like saying if you're nervous, like completely normal. Most people are. You can even say nine seven percent of people that go to an interview are nervous. Just to sort of normalize the state that, and it's good. It means that you are you know doing something that's outside your comfort zone. You're doing something you really care about to sort of bring that down. And addressing it rather than sort of ignoring it so that's like one thing just be a human being and take care of the person that's in front of you You want them to perform you want them to do their absolute best in the interview right then there's like some stuff that i've been stealing from psychology program i think really works super well one thing that i use a lot is i summarize what the candidates say a lot to show that i'm actively listening to what they're saying really showing that i care about you i've listened to what you said i'm here you're the most interesting person for me right now. The only focus for me is you. So the candidate's been speaking for a while on an answer, right? right? Can I stop you right there and sort of summarize what you've been saying? Sort of, you said that you had to do A, B, and C, and you did it by doing X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? Have I understood you? And it's a technique that you need to, of course, train a little bit, but it's such a cool way when you get it done and do it really well. It's, I mean, the thrill of feeling like they kind of go like, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And you go like, yeah, I nailed that summary. It's such a good feeling. And it takes a bit of practice, but it's such a good way to start becoming more active in the conversation and show that you're actively listening. So we have setting the agenda. We have like stating the obvious of the situation that it's it can be nervous and, you know, reduce the anxiety. And then also using summaries as a way to make sure that you're listening to help the candidate, like correct if you misunderstood something. I think those are three really good techniques to start applying. How do you set yourself up for success ahead of the interview, during the interview? I mean, like, what type of questions? How do you plan them, et cetera, et cetera? Can't you elaborate a bit? Something that I think that US Alva Labs do really well is that you talk about, about communication with the candidate. You need to be very clear, set sort of, I mean, what you expect, expectations, correct, and so on. I think that's equally and even more important for the interview. So, like, even before the interview, Imagine that we have an interview guide ready, but inform the candidate, be very transparent about your expectations before the interview. Because, I mean, how many times in your professional career have you been in a situation where you need to, you only get this an address or a link and it says, come here and I'm going to ask you some random question. Like, how often does that happen? But for some reason, once again, the interview is an exception. I'm the complete opposite. I try to be as transparent as possible. Like, Here's what we're going to do. This is the, the agenda for the interview. We're going to go through these. We're going to talk about these topics. I even mention like if, if there's like behaviors we're going to assess, I give them the definitions. And sometimes I even provide them with some sample questions or even the questions that we might go through to sort of set them up for success, like making sure that we get the best possible uh, outcome from these 45 minutes or an hour that we have together, like making sure that we don't have to spend too much time in sort of getting to know how this interview will go. I think that's such a good way for talent acquisition to improve their interviewing game is to be more transparent from the beginning and actually send out more information than they're used to to the candidates. As I see it, because I really agree, to some extent, it will hold you accountable because then you can't change the questions so that if you have committed to it, you've shared it with a candidate, not only is it helping them, which will kind of even out the playing field because then everyone will have the same opportunity to perform when we won't measure who's good at interviewing, we will actually assess the relevant aspects, but also I can't change my plan because I've already committed to it. And I love that aspect. That's so good. Like, exactly. Because that's the problem, right? Sort of, if you're super vague, you can do whatever you want. Like you can take any shortcuts you want, but it's like, 
these are the things I'm going to go through. And then the candidates are sitting there with the agenda going, I think you missed something. They go, ooh. <laughs> this is the only reason why we, like in our job ads, we always spell out, like, this is the process. These are the process steps. You will meet this person in this order because of, because then we can't change it. Even if we come up with some brilliant idea midway, we need to stick to the plan that we had because that will kind of force us to treat everyone the same. That's actually being one of the sort of most difficult aspects of building our platform is like how much flexibility should we provide to users? It's always a tough topic because like, as you say, you realize halfway through, you, you met three candidates and you realize, oh, this question, I should have asked this one. Should you add it? Should you be able to add it to the interview process or not? I don't, as of today, have a great answer because then I would say, yeah, but then you need to call the other candidates and say, hey, I have another question for you that I forgot to ask and sort of give everyone the same chance. I really feel the pain here. I mean, we've done that. When you kind of realize after the first interview, like, oh, wait, maybe the like profile is actually a little bit more than this. And if you find yourself in like a good position, you will be like, oh, well, then let's just add this to the next interview or to the work sample test where you can, again, do the same thing because no one has started it, then it's not a problem. Then I would add, like, definitely vote, add, remove, change, as long as, you know, you're sticking to the job, like profile and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I really see the challenge of being halfway through your 10 interviews and be like, oh, dang, <laughs> need to change something. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of feedback we've gotten from clients that we provide customers like we provide too many good questions so like they make this big interview guide with way too many questions and then they start the first interview and they go like oh we are not gonna end up in time even though we have like a time indicator that's another problem but it's still sort of within the same realm it's like i want to ask all of these awesome questions but like but we only have one hour <laughs> if i would share my agenda i'm often you know the first interview and then the hiring manager will do the second interview so my agenda would be like it's a 45 minutes interview I would use seven minutes for the intro with like, hello, formalities, setting the agenda. And then I will often actually like intro myself and the company because then I can add a joke or two, reduce like anxiety. And then we will go into the question. I will never have more than five questions because you will end up giving like some follow-up questions on it. So and like make sure that I get the answers. Five is almost a stretch. And my aim is always to have 10 minutes at the end for like questions and talking. And it always, uh, I always fall short on those 10 minutes, but hopefully have like at least five. But yeah, it's a classic. They want to squeeze too much in. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, oh, I want to ask all of these questions. Because I mean, we're curious about the candidates, right? That's what we're meeting. We want to like, hear about, we want to know them, right? We want to get to understand how they worked previously. But I agree with you. Like I always find myself rushing for time at the end. I remember my best tip from the psychology program was, when you think you don't need to start ending, you need to start ending the conversation. And that should be like 15 minutes before. So like if you have 45 minutes, when it's 30 minutes, that's when you should start rounding off because it's going to take quite a bit before you even get to the rounding off. I'm trying to remember that, but I, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, no. One of my, my biggest interview fails was I hadn't prepared the candidate enough. And then like 30 minutes in to the interview, I had to stop him and be like, hey, we haven't even gotten started yet. Because he was just like talking about himself and it was super nice. I'm like, 
I haven't even started asking my questions. And that was like completely my fault because I didn't set him up for success. Exactly. That's the point. Like that's when introduction is so important. That's the psychological contract because I found myself in the same situation. I go like, oh shit, it's been 20 minutes. I haven't even asked the first question, but I've had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know anything about what the candidate's capabilities are. <laughs> no, exactly. How do we set ourselves up for success before? And it sounds like you like, you already have chosen the questions. So you like those are pre-designed kind of like interview template. What type of question should you have in there? I think it depends a little bit because you were saying that you have two interviews. You do the first one and you have a second interview. And I would say a very good setup is maybe to have one interview you focus on personal characteristics like previous behavior, how they've done, and maybe a little bit about like the previous work experience to understand how they worked in similar situations. And then I think a second type of interview might be more skills-based. And that is better to do with someone who is deep understanding of the specific field. If I was uh, working as HR, I would do like the first screening bit, but then I would hand over the candidates to the hiring manager that has you know, the technical responsibility and more focus on hard skills in that type of interview. And also maybe more talking about the team in that interview. So I think different interviews qualify for different things. And I mean, sometimes you also have like a telephone interview. It's not super common now because there's so many good tools to use, but just also check like minimum requirements, just sort of make sure that they have those things. And maybe also sometimes just depending on the role, check for motivation, depending on what type of role, like why have you applied for this role? Just to get an understanding of the driving force behind it and like vocational interests, maybe. But those are not as common as maybe more of a personal characteristics and a hard skills type interview. And I mean, the way that, we suggest that one does interviews is obviously using the STAR method or like SPR questions. I'm assuming that you do the same. If not, shout. But if yes, why? <laughs> no, exactly. I, it's such a great way to get the candidate to really be specific about how they behaved in a previous situation. Because the STAR method sort of relies on the idea that the way that we have behaved is a good predictor for how we will behave in the future, which is makes sense because we're lazy. In ourselves, humans are lazy, so we're going to like use the same behavior patterns that we have in our previous situations in our future situations. And I actually send that over to the candidate to say, like, you can structure your answers and use uh, situation behavior results as a, a rule of thumb to prepare the questions in your head before the interview. It's such a great way to do it because the STAR method, I, I like the SCAR abbreviation a bit better. So it's situation, describing what the situation was. And then a T is for task, but I, you see for context, like what was the thing around it? What was the purpose? And sort of how much, how many, how long, what was the budget? Those type of questions fall into the context part. And then you have the A, which is action, the behavior that they did, and R is the result, sort of what was the outcome of it. I guess we need to jump in a little bit about like assessing the answers. How would you recommend people to do that? As I said, like that's what the hiring and the, the recruiters think is one of the most difficult things. Okay, so I have an answer now. I have you know, all the information on SCAR. So I have a lot of information about this candidate. I should be able to easily assess this candidate. I think what you've been saying a lot on, on LinkedIn and what you do at Our Labs is to use a score guide. The technical term for it, which is very, it's called BARS. It stands for Behavioral Anchor Rating Scales. Essentially, it's saying that you can't just have a scoring guide from one to five or one to seven. That's not really enough to be able to really make sure that you assess the candidate against the set criteria. You also need to have a definition of what does a five mean? And then hopefully you can also break it down into very specific behaviors. So if you're trying to assess someone's um, 
result orientation. I mean, you define the result orientation, like setting high goals, working hard to reach them, having a plan to reach them, put a lot of effort into reaching those goals. That is also the question you should have them to assess that. Maybe how you set a goal for yourself and can you describe how you've done that? And then a score of five should be all of the behaviors that indicate a high level that correspond exactly with the definition. And then you have a three, which is maybe like an average, like a good score. Like it means that you do it, but maybe not a super clear plan and put in some effort to reach the goal. And one is like a lack of behaviors that indicate uh, that they, they are have a strong potential to do this. Like not a goal. They don't have a clear goal in mind, have no plan, have put no effort in to reaching those goals. Because it makes it so much easier when you sit in there. You have the notes from the interview and you have actual sort of predefined behaviors that this is the purpose. The only reason I asked this question is to assess these behaviors. That's the reason I, I decided to implement this question. And then you look at the notes and you look at the scoring guide and you go like, yes, five, three, five, four. Almost like looking at it like a machine. So always use a some kind of scoring guide, provide information about what it is. And what the scores mean. Give them context, essentially. And I think one thing I want to add, because I like, yes, plus one on all of that. (laughs) And also want to add, like trying to do the actual assessment like during the interview. So, well, A, to reduce the amount of work you have to do afterwards, because that's going to suck. Because often you have to jump into like the next interview right after. Yeah. But B, also to make sure that you aren't impacted about like from other factors. And then C, by making sure that you assess it during the interview, you actually will assess it, as you say, like based on the like scoring guide that you have, or at least like towards the job description, and not compared to other candidates. No, no, big problem. Yeah, biggest mistake people do. You asked that question, I should have said that. People compare candidates to other candidates. Yeah. Don't do that. Compare candidates against the job profile and say, who has the highest like match towards the criteria that we said? If we double click on that, why is it a problem to compare Charles against Daniel? I mean, you set up the profile to assess someone's sort of match against a job that they're about to do. And if you start comparing a candidate against a candidate instead of a candidate against a criteria and then the criteria against the candidate, you're starting to sort of maybe assess other things that are not relevant to the job criteria. It's so easy to be biased and go like, that person had said that and that person said that. And then you start comparing like maybe this answer from one question to another question. And now you're really in the big deep, like you're in the, the deep end of the pool, right? Because you sort of, this is an apple and this is a pear and you're really comparing them and talking about things in the same context. But if you always talk about like result oriented towards the criteria and result oriented against the criteria, you always make sure that you do it on the same grounds and it's the same behaviors. But if you do it like that, it's very easy that you miss the target and start talking about other things that might have been influenced you during the interview. I think that's a great point to like keep in mind. And I guess also like you can compare against each other and you might like someone more or like someone less or you know click with someone better. But also the fact of like now Charles and Daniel are our example here. So maybe Charles is better than Daniel, but neither of them actually live up against like the role prerequisites or both are way more than you could ever hope for maybe you should actually hire both like it can be both ways if they meet the criteria or not let's dive in a little bit to the like candidate experience i think you talked like one thing that we've already talked about is like preparing the candidate ahead of the interview and then being like human during what other like aspects do you think that we can improve on when it comes to candidate experience and interviews hygiene factors 
when we did our short survey, a lot of people said that a lot of interviewers these days look at their phones during the interviews and like look clearly do something else during the interview. Like they can tell if you open up a window or something on the screen, even if it's online, I have glasses, you can tell that I have a you know a light over here, and they can tell that you're picking up something else. So like if you're having an interview, focus on the candidate. That should be your absolute only focus it's like they want 45 minutes with you give them 45 minutes i know it's such a hygiene factor but like be there be present make sure that you set off time so you don't stress that you have to think like look at your phones and so on if you can't give the candidate that uh, focus reschedule the interview honestly it's better to do that because otherwise you're not going to give the person the best possible chance to show you what they can do because you're not going to be there that ties in with like the next point which is like try to provide eye contact and like be present and try to show interest. And another trick I would say, which can be hard for very extroverted people, but I, I would highly recommend, like we were talking a little bit earlier about how we can improve as interviewers if you're hiring a manager. One of my best tricks is to just shut up and be quiet, ask the question, sit back, sit tight, and count cheap if you need to. Let the candidate have time to think and get their answer out. Don't start my impulse reflex is always to sort of try to clarify the question. I mean, like this, and like, blah, blah. it's like, no. Then you're going to break up their sort of thought process, state the question, be quiet, show the candidate that there's no stress, let them take their time. I'm more interested in what you're saying than how you say it. I love the tip of like only asking one question at a time. Also sounds like the easiest thing, but like, listen. <laughs> I think I would advise everyone to listen to yourself next time you like have a conversation with a friend. When you ask them something, very often we will ask three questions at once. And the really difficult but super important part is asking one question. And to your point, Alex, just be quiet after it. It's hard for an extrovert, but it's important. <laughs> just ask one question at a time. Is sometimes it's so easy you want to sort of what did you do how did you do that? what was the result and the candidate's like where should i even start i don't know one question at a time give people time and that's why i always say like in the beginning of the interview introduction like going back to the introduction clearly it's a very important aspect of the interview but like i'm not here to assess how quickly you think we already done that in the psychometric test like i'm not interested in that so like take your time to answer the question like i'm not gonna sort of sit here and give you a higher score because you you think quickly a lot of recruiters and hiring managers are talking about oh, this person answered quickly. Like that's a good aspect. Like they are good interview, they're a good candidate. But I really couldn't care less. It's all about the content, right? Unless, of course, the job requires you to be very quick on your feet and work quickly. But then I would probably assess it in a different part and not in the interview. No, exactly. Because I think it goes back to like what's the purpose of the interview? What are the core skills that you're going to assess? And if I think one, another example that often comes up in my mind is how like self-reflecting the candidate was and that people take that, like if they did self-reflect, that's good. And if they didn't, that's bad, but maybe it has nothing to do with the job. And if it does, I would add that as a criteria, that means that there should be a like question for it. And you should specifically go into that. I guess it goes back to like setting a plan. These are the core aspects I want to find out, sticking to that plan and kind of eliminate the noise. Yeah, exactly. A lot about, yeah, exactly. Eliminating the noise and making sure, because it goes back to like the discussion we had earlier about like, comparing candidates 
Because it's like that one was self-reflective, that what wasn't. But then you have to look at like what did we assess? What was the aim of the interview? It was like where in the job criteria does it say being self-reflective is important? Nowhere. Great. Then we shouldn't focus on that. We shouldn't even have this discussion. I do have one futuristic question. So if we sit here when we invite you back in 10 years, hopefully earlier than that, what will have happened with interviews in like the coming years? I think. A lot of things are going to happen with the help of these language models. I think it's going to be a great help to, for people. We can already see the benefits of getting help and getting great interview questions. So that's the way our platform works, that you can add a job description. And based on the job description, we can provide you with highly relevant questions that are specific to that specific job that you put in. And that's such a great tool to just get from you know having no questions, no idea what to do in an interview to having a more or less pretty good interview process. So like that is one step forward like in ways we can see that technology can help us. Like there's a term that's been popping up. You don't say like it's AI power. You say like you have AI support, like almost like you have AI on, on your shoulder. And I think that's a great way to use AI because an interview, as we mentioned, it's not just about assessing candidates. It's about attraction. It's about speaking about the role. It's about making sure that you show the face of your company. So that's still going to be an important aspect. But let's have someone help us out. Like, hey, you're talking a bit too much. Sort of whispering in your ear saying, hey, maybe you should tone down that a little bit. Like getting support during the interview as well to improve your game. I know that um, I think Teams has implemented like a meeting coach. So you get help during the uh, the meeting, like you're speaking too fast or like you're speaking too much. You get a report afterwards with, tips and tricks on how you can improve. And I can really see that happening for, you know, people that want to improve their interview game. Like, think about this, you know, you spoke 70% of the interview, maybe you should tone that back and let the candidate speak. I think that's a really cool way of using that type of tool to become better. And also, I think that when it comes to assessing as well, getting help in like, oh, there's so much, if you have a lot of information, like you have transcribed the interview or you have a lot of notes, Sometimes it's not so easy to like say, is it a four or three or whatever it could be. Like getting some help, like saying, looking at this and looking at the criteria, this could be rated like a a three. But of course, make sure that you do your own investigation and and your own judgment. But you can get help with that as well. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening and I'm really excited to see because I see, I think that we can actually improve our game with the AI rather than like taking it away. Rather like it's going to make us do better interviews, have much more efficient interviews. It's a lot of exciting stuff. So hopefully in 10 years, we're going to have like the best interviews ever where we get help and we can feedback. And even hiring managers that only interview twice a year can be great interviewers. I love the uh, AI support. I got the image of like a Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder, helping me set the right intro and have already helped me with the right questions and so forth. I think that's something to look forward to. And it also... Like building on that, it sounds like if you're not kind of like jumping on the train and improving your interviews, you're going to fall behind. And I mean, that's going to be a competitive disadvantage at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to the numbers I said at the beginning, like 50% of people turn down a job offer because of a bad interview. Don't be those 50%. Be the other 50% and do that by making sure you ask good questions. Start there at least. I think that's a great something to wrap up with. Thank you so much for joining How We Hire, Alex. It was an absolute pleasure nerding out in interviews. 
would recommend following Alex on LinkedIn. Thank you. Hope to see you back in 10 years talking about how great the interview turned out. And thank you for listening. Oh, 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 oh